When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Go. Hello, Bruins fans, and welcome to episode 76 of Bruins Beat, brought to you by CLNS Media. Uh, yes, it's not CLNS Radio anymore. They changed it to CLNS Media. I'm Mike with Jason. No Joe this week. Joe is traveling for work, but we are happy to be joined by Lauren Campbell. Lauren is one of the writers for CLNS Media. She covers both the Bruins and Red Sox and is one of the co-hosts for the Red Sox Beat. Lauren, thanks for joining us this week. Thanks for having me. Excited to uh, to talk Bruins this week. It's a little different for me. I'm usually doing Red Sox beat, so this is fun. Well, you're you're a Bruins writer, so you follow the Bruins as much as you follow the Red Sox. I mean, I, obviously, I think you're probably more of a Red Sox fan, but you follow the Bruins a decent amount. That it was it was great to have great to ask you to be on. Yeah, I'm excited you guys asked me. I appreciate it. Um, like I said, I talk Red Sox every week, so it's definitely be fun to talk some Bruins. Absolutely. And speaking of the Boston Bruins, obviously it's. The Bruins have been eliminated in the first round of the playoffs by the Ottawa Senators, which everyone already knows by now, as the conference finals are going on in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But, Lauren, obviously everyone's gotten mine, my opinion, Jason's, and Joe's opinion. So uh, I just want to ask you, wh- what are your thoughts on the season? Did you think it was a failure or a success? I know the past two seasons they choked away the playoff spots. So all three of us pretty much said it was a success because they made the playoffs. Are you in the same boat as we are, or do you feel like it was a failure because – you know, it's Boston. We're more about championships and just making the first round of the playoffs. No, I, I, I think it's a, the season was a success, and not just based on the playoffs, but also because they fired Claude Julien. And I called for this months before it happened, and I wrote an article about this on CLNS that why he should be fired. And it was nothing against him. It was nothing that he was a bad coach. He just lost control of that team. Players didn't respect him, and that's bound to happen after ten seasons. And being frustrated, missing the playoffs so many times in a row. When when here in Boston, especially, we expect so much from our team. So I do think it was a, a success. And, of course, because they made the playoffs, um, they gave Ottawa a run for their money, kind of gave us a couple heart attacks in the overtime games in the in the playoffs. But overall, I, despite their, their injuries as well going into the playoffs and the injuries that we found out that Rask and Bergeron were dealing with and a coaching change, in the middle of a Patriots parade, overall, I think it was a successful season. I I did I thought the same thing, and I think you nailed the Claude Julian thing that we talked about it on this show as well. Is that no one had anything bad against Claude as a coach? It, like you said, it was just time to move on, and I'm glad that they finally did move on. And up to that point, I thought the season was a failure, but I think since they brought in Bruce Cassidy, and now he's hired full time. He kind of you know got, rallied the troops together, and the Bruins started playing better. Um, obviously, I'm assuming you definitely agree with them keeping Bruce Cassidy for next season as well. Yeah, and I think Cassidy is going to do wonders. He, you know, he finished off strong, and like I said, he did he did well in the playoffs. He switched up the lines. He really saw like how players work together, and I really think you know he worked with a lot of these people in Providence as well. So, you know, I think the new voice is, was just perfect for this team, and I think it's going to carry over into next season for sure. Yeah, I think so too, and I, I think you just said it perfectly that Bruce Cassidy definitely deserves it. It was time for a change. Uh, and I also wanted to ask you quickly what your what your thoughts are on Tuka Rask. Obviously, Tuka Rask for some reason gets a lot of hate from Boston media, from Boston fans. That uh, I know Joe's big thing, obviously, he's not here to defend himself, but Joe's big thing is that Tim Thomas just went on such a miraculous run in that Stanley Cup playoffs that that the Bruins ha- Bruins fans and some media people have false hope that Tuka Rask can live up to that. When that, when that was once-in-a-lifetime thing. Do you think Tuka Rask is an elite goalie and gets too much grief around here, or do you think the Bruins should try and move on from in the offseason? No, I think he is an elite goalie. Do I think he's overpaid? Yes, but I that's another conversation for another day. But I do think he is an elite goalie, and you know he missed part of the beginning of the season with injuries, and you know we had a whole goalie fiasco at the be- beginning of the season. But I've said this since Tim Thomas left, and I've kind of defended this and I'll defend this for years to come until Rask is out of Boston. But if Tuka Rask had one more year 
under Tim Thomas, if Tim Thomas just didn't up and leave Boston, I think Rask would be not on the same level as Thomas because Thomas is just a freak. I think it would have been somewhere along those lines. I think he would have been better prepared um, to be a starter. But I think he's making the best of what he can. And when he came back, I had a feeling he wasn't 100%. I knew he had groin issues. And lo and behold, you know, he had the groin surgery. So, and just watching him make some of the saves he did. And you need to think he didn't have a lot of defense. The defense is always a big problem. Not scoring a lot of goals. So you can't put it all on him. I mean, you can't put it, put it all on defense either. But he really kept the Bruins in some of these games. He really stood on his head, especially in the playoffs. He's the reason those games were in overtime. Those games were like one goal game. So he's really kind of like the, I don't want to say the glue that holds this team together, but he, he's pretty close to that to that glue because without him, you're lose. You, you don't make the playoffs without him. If I can build no, up absolutely that- not. Yeah, go ahead, Jason. Jump right yeah, in. Like- if I can build off that, Lauren, do you think that towards the end of the season when Cassidy kind of caught him out, do you think it was the right move on Cassidy to do so to get more out of him? Yeah, absolutely. I am all for coaches calling out players uh, when needed because I feel like that kind of lights a fire under them, kind of gives them a little more motivation. I am absolutely all for that when it's the right time, and I think that was the right thing to do. I and mean, if he called him out for no reason, I'm not for that, but the coach needs to step up, and he, he can't baby his players, and I – don't think Cassidy would ever do that. So I, I do like that he did that. Yeah, absolutely. I like that he did that too, especially because Rath was not playing well up until, like, obviously, he went on like a five game winning streak up until the playoffs and, you know, played well in the playoffs as well. But he wasn't playing well before that. And Anton Hudobin was playing pretty damn well. But I mean, we saw what it was like in the beginning of the season, as you said, Lauren, when, when Rath got hurt and wasn't playing that well, you know, they had Hudobin start and they had McIntyre. I mean, Subban played a game. It was just a train wreck at the goalie position, and they couldn't even get a win from a goalie until, like, pretty much three-quarters of the season through besides Tuka Rask. So, I mean, I think what you just said, too, is that Tuka Rask helped this team make the playoffs. Obviously, he's overpaid. Everyone knows that. And, and But I say this on the show all the time, Lauren. It's not his fault that he got offered that contract and signed it. He just got offered the contract and signed it, and that's, that's what he did. You can't fault a guy for wanting to make money and signing a contract that a general manager puts in front of him. No, absolutely not. I would have taken that contract too. It's, it's you know, it's a business. They have a business to run, and of course, Rask isn't going to turn down the contract that he that he did. And like you said, it's not his fault. People hate on him for the money, but he just accepted what was offered to him, and he he did what any one of us would have done. Yeah, That's absolutely. True. I mean, anyone would have taken that deal in a heartbeat, and he bet on himself. And the one the one thing that people don't that seem to forget too. Is Rask signed a one-year contract, and the one-year contract he signed after his like entry-level deal was up was the year that they went to the Cup and lost to Chicago. So everyone was thinking, oh, wow, Rask bet on himself for a one-year deal. They just went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Rask proved that, I mean, they, had led, they held Pittsburgh to two goals in the Eastern Conference Finals. People always seem to forget that. But, and then, obviously, they lost to Chicago. When everyone around Boston pretty much said, you know, the last game, they blew it with 17 seconds left, but it was a hard-fought series. Chicago was the better team. They were one of the dynasties in the NHL. So no one really blames Tuca for that series for losing to Chicago. And that's when he got his contract was because he played so well that year. And they brought his team to the Stanley Cup Finals. And that's when he signed his contract. So, so my other question is, and we can be honest with it, Lauren. Do you think Tuca has at times an issue with his attitude when the team's oh, yeah. struggling? Yeah, I think he does. But I think that's... You know, the attitude comes from frustration because so much has is on his shoulders and he knows at the end of a game, if they lose, he's going to take the heat, whether it's a regulation loss, overtime, shootout loss. He's going to take a lot of that heat. So a lot of that is, you know, his defense can't hold it together for him. So, yeah, I, I the frustration boils over. And of course, I mean, I mean, like you said, Hudobin was playing not very well for a while, so they, they wouldn't play him. So they played Rask. They probably overplayed Rask, and it gets tiring. It's exhausting. It's it's so much for one person to handle that I, I don't think his attitude is a problem, but I think it's going to show when he gets frustrated. Absolutely. I think that's a great point, too. Another player I want to ask you about quickly, because um, I think these two players probably get two of the most grief in this city is David Krejci. Obviously, David Krejci missed game one and two, came back for game three, and then got hurt in game four with a knee injury. Obviously, he's in this. I think he's in the same boat as Tuka Rask, where he signed his contract after performing pretty well, and he makes a ton of money, so people always look at David Krejci as one of the scapegoats of the team, especially when the team is struggling offensively. 
Um, Joe, call, Joe likes to call him my binky because I always defend David Krejci personally because I just I've always loved David Krejci and I love what he stands for. And I think without him, the Bruins don't make it, don't win the Stanley Cup in the first place, one, and don't make it to the second one because people always seem to forget that he led the whole NHL playoffs in scoring both of those years. And I know he's not perfect, but I want to get your thoughts on David Krejci. Do you think it's time for the Bruins to move on, and do, do you like to see Krejci stay here? Oh, I'm right with you. I love Krejci. I have loved Krejci since he's been here. He's just, I, I mean, you can call him my binky too. And I just, I love the guy. And I think what people kind of forget is he's very critical to this team's success. And I know he's the hip injury and he's been injured. He, I wouldn't say he's injury prone, but I know the last few years it's kind of been an issue. But you need to look past that. He's only 31. He has a no movement clause and he's locked in for four more seasons. So People kind of need to get over that. He's not going anywhere. He's I mean, He led the league in assists, I think it was last season or the season before, for a long time. He just had this incredible hot streak. He's, he's very talented. He's an amazing player. And I think people, the second he starts to kind of fall off or crumble, for lack of a better term, people will, will hate on him because he's an easy target. But the second he starts doing well, people are going to love him again. But at the end of the day, like I said right before, he remains critical to the success of this team. I think so, too. And people also seem to forget and not mention that he scored 23 goals this year and was also the quarterback of the power play for quite some time when they, they put Krejci with the, you know, the Bergeron power play unit and they were just, that's when the power play got hot. And it's just frustrating to me, to, for me to see people say the trade Krejci, trade Krejci, because the team lacks offense and I think Krejci is really offensively gifted. And the one complaint I've had about Bruins management and fans that say, oh, Krejci sucks, trade Krejci, he hasn't had line mates in the past two seasons. The last line mates he had was when he was playing with the Gimla and Lucic, and that was when they were a dominant line. The past two seasons, they've been tinkering with his line mates. Obviously, they tried Bacchus this year. It didn't work. They tried Bolesky last year. It didn't work. And I thought the best stretch that he had this season personally was when he was with Pashnik and Solaric, and then they split that up, and that was when he had his most success because he actually had line mates that can give him the puck and can do something with it offensively. He, besides that, he's been playing with nothing, and I think they need a find someone in the offseason to play with Krejci, and that way Krejci can shine more this season. Hey, Mike, what's yeah. my opinion consistently been on Krejci? Because I don't even remember my opinion anymore. You don't remember? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think you I think you were in the boat of trading him, personally. I, I will say I, I am. I don't know if I still am. I've been back and forth in my own head. But um, you, you, you two both bring up points that would argue really well against my points for trading him. You're both cr- exactly correct. Krejci plays fantastic with linemates, and he plays amazing when he's healthy, and he, he does have four years in that contract. I think Krejci's probably getting irritated himself with the injury, so he's going to probably be focused on trying to get healthier, and especially under the new coach, Cassidy, this team's going to come out on fire. I do agree that Krejci's critical to Boston's success, and I do think he should be, at some point in the long term, not this year or next year, but at some point they're going to have to trade him to get value, but I don't think now is the right time. But with that, like, I don't think because he doesn't have those line mates, he doesn't have the trust that he had in Aginla and Lucic. So when you keep switching up his line mates, he's not going to trust who he's with because he's not comfortable. And if he's not comfortable, that's going to cause his success to dwindle. And I just I think, with you know, obviously with the no movement clause, he has to approve it. But I don't I don't see him going anywhere. I think he's going to say no. Like, I don't I want to stay in Boston because. This team is built for success. This team will get to another Stanley Cup final in the next two or three years. And he's going to be part of the reason. So, and I think Cassidy will see that because he's been so, like I said, critical to this team's success for the last few years. So, and I, I could argue too that I just, I love David Krejci as a player, but I just, I don't see him going anywhere. And I don't, I don't think it would ever be the right move for Boston to get rid of him. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, so I, the one, the, I'm sorry, I want to ask about one more person quickly because I think it's, it was a, it was a player obviously that's done some stuff, you know, on the borderline, gets himself suspended. I thought he had a terrible playoff stretch. He only had one goal. Besides that, I thought he was invisible. But obviously during the regular season, Brad Marchand scored 39 goals, and he was obviously a key part of their success offensively. Um, I, I, I've caught him on this show, and I've bashed Marchand for not growing up and his antics. I think at the end of the season this year cost the team. You know, even having home ice against Ottawa, even though they lost all three games at home against Ottawa, I think Martian needs to, you know, put that stuff in the past and grow up. I just want to get your thoughts on Martian and what you think about Martian's overall, you know, past two seasons kind of becoming elite, but still kind of 
you know, getting himself into trouble. I love Brad Marchand, and I will say it like if he was on any other team, you guys would be bashing him every week just because of how he plays. But because he's in Boston, we love him because you know he's oh he's an elite player. He scores 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 goals, and he just he's not afraid to get in your face. He's not afraid to get under your skin. That's the kind of player you need on any hockey team. Um, he does need to quit the antics, those stupid suspensions, those little dirty hits. Like I'm all for hard, heavy hits in hockey, and I know Brad Marchand's smaller, so he kind of he will use his size to his advantage all the time. But like the sticks to the groin, the the slew foot, he just that that needs to stop because it's going to cost the team, obviously him. And we saw him with we saw the team without him in the last two games of the season, so. He's obviously very crucial to this team. 39 goals. If you don't have those 39 goals this season, you're not winning half the games you did. So I think, you know, because he's such a good player, he plays with such intensity and emotion, it's going to be hard for him to let that kind of stuff go just because that's how he is. But he he really does need to because if he didn't play that way, he, he could probably score, you know, 45 goals easy. No, I agree with that, too. But uh, I, was, I want to switch to the defensive side. Obviously, the defensive side, I thought, personally, this was quite the surprise in the Ottawa series. I thought the defense played pretty damn well, even with the injuries to you know, Carlo and Krug. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on, on Kevin Miller, because obviously with the expansion draft coming up, uh, there's been a big debate about people, uh, all the Bruins writers, and even on this show, we talked about it last week, is who to protect, because obviously the Bruins seem to be going in the, the seven forwards, three defensemen, one goaltender route because like you said earlier certain forwards have no movement clauses so they're, they're automatically protected and that seems to be the route that they're going and the big debate obviously is the first defenseman's going to be chara the second one's going to be krug first offensive intangibles they just signed him to a, a long-term deal obviously those two seem to be shoe-ins but the third defenseman squad is up for grabs and i think it's between kevin miller and colin miller i've said last week that i was, I was disappointed in colin miller's season and i thought kevin miller stepped up in the playoffs that it looks like they might be leaning towards keeping Kevin Miller. I want to get your thoughts on who do you think they should keep and uh, what your thoughts on Kevin Miller and Colin Miller are. Yeah, it's kind of like the battle of the Millers here, and especially with this expansion draft coming up, it's it's really hard. It's really hard to say. You know, um, Miller, Kevin Miller's twenty twenty nine, Colin Miller's twenty four. So you know, they're not they're not old by any means. But Colin Miller, you know, he's younger. Maybe you can develop him a little more. Um, but I think Colin Miller kind of has like a higher offensive ceiling, sort of say. So I think it makes sense to keep him, even though Kevin Miller is more of like an enforcer, kind of heavy hitter. But I, I'm really, really torn on this one. Usually I can like make a decision on who to keep, who to, who to go. But this one, you know, it, it, I think it's going to come down to just kind of who, who does the coach trust more to be out there and to pair with, you know, Krug and everyone. And I essentially think that's what it's going to come down to. I don't know who that is, but I, I, I really think, like, if I had to choose right now, I would say Colin Miller should stay. And I'm going to say this because I've heard from people, uh, Jimmy Murphy's kind of voice played out there too, that Boston's leaning towards Kevin Miller specifically. Yeah, I, I kind of figured they were leaning towards Kevin Miller because I thought Colin Miller was disappointing this year, and I, th- I was really expecting him to, you know, take a leap forward, but... He didn't, and I made the case. But it doesn't, last it week. doesn't mean Vegas is going to take Colin Miller. They might take somebody else. I know. It, obviously, you never know, but I think it would be tough to at the Bruins like Colin Miller out on the open market to, to to not take him because the Bruins don't have that great of forwards. I think that like obviously the Bru- all the good Bruins forwards are going to be protected. So I feel like if they're going to take someone from the Bruins, it'll happen to be a defenseman. And as Lauren said earlier, I think Colin Miller has a lot more upside. And I was saying that the, the Bruins should be building their defense for upside and going forward with younger players. With obviously, we're seeing what their some of the younger players can do in Providence and when they've gotten the call up to Boston. So that's why I made the argument for for Colin Miller as well. But I do fear that they are leaning towards Kevin Miller because of how Kevin Miller brought in the playoffs. And I wouldn't be, I, I can't say I'd be totally 100% bash the Bruins for doing that because. Like Lauren said, it's a toss-up, and I think it is. I think it can go either way, and it depends on you know who Sweeney and Bruce Cassidy and Cam Neely want going forward. You gotta keep in mind the uh, defensemen that are coming up in in the pipeline for the Bruins. It's a it's a bright future either way. No, it's definitely a bright future, and 
but we've seen what the front office has done with young talent and bright futures. We've seen, which is my big concern with, you know, McAvoy, JFK and everybody going forward. Um, I think it is a very bright future, which is very promising. I don't think they're going to show instant results, which is, you know, it's disappointing, but we can't expect instant results, even though McAvoy showed amazing skills and just good all around hockey play in the playoffs. But I mean, if Vegas wants Jimmy Hayes, they can absolutely just take him. I know it's like so far fetched, but they can absolutely just have him. We'll buy his plane ticket. We'll fly him out there right now and just get him off this team. He's gonna be off his team. There's no, there's no way the Bruins keep Jimmy Hayes. The Bruins next will year. buy out Jimmy Hayes like they bought out Sidenberg. I don't I'm even know. If now. I don't even know if they'll just buy him out. They might even just let him like, just let him do what he did. Like no one even knew he existed there in the playoffs. It was pretty much like he was he was gone off the team. So I wouldn't even be surprised if the Bruins, you know. Send him down to Providence, to be honest, and just eat the money, or even just maybe buy him out. But I feel like if they buy him out, they have to pay his contract like this year and next year. It's like a weird rule like that. So, but I don't think Jimmy Hayes is going to be part of this team going forward. He can't be. There's no yeah, way. I, he can I be. could see Jimmy Hayes being sent down clearing waivers. I could. But no, someone that. Even... Oh, someone sorry, Lauren. Go ahead. Will... There's someone out there who will want him. It'll be a very low asking price, but there is there there will be a team that that will want him. I don't think it's going to be a matter of him clearing waivers or whatever. Um, I just think there's got to be a team desperate enough and who's willing to take that chance on him. That's the big thing is they need to take that chance on Jimmy Hayes because obviously we're all fed up with him here in Boston. Like you said, he was non-existent in the playoffs and his brother's doing wonderful things all over. So it's, it's very frustrating just to see him or not see him. And, but I do think, I, I do think he won't be on the team. I'm hundred percent with you right there, but I think he'll, he'll be traded. I think, like I said, very low asking price, but I think he'll be gone. Speaking of players who won't be on the team next year, um, last week we talked about this more in depth. Um, obviously, Bruce Cassidy did that fantastic interview on uh, Toucher and Rich 985, the sports hub. Where he, he talked about the season and, and stuff along the lines like that. And one player who obviously was not a bigger factor in the Ottawa series as well was Ryan Spooner. And uh, Ryan Spooner obviously did not, did not have a good year this year. Um, I mean, Matt Bolesky was playing over him in the playoffs. Sean Corrales was playing over him in the playoffs. And, you know, guys that weren't looked at to be ahead of Ryan Spooner on the depth chart were getting in there before Spooner. I mean, you even heard Bruce Cassidy say he was healthy enough to play, but didn't feel like Spooner was going to contribute enough to even be put back in the lineup. I think Spooner's done in Boston. I can't see him returning next year. I mean, he's a restricted free agent anyways, but I just feel like it's time for the Bruins to move on. They, like you said earlier on, they signed JFK to an entry-level deal. So with the future being bright, I feel like the time is now to just move on from Ryan Spooner. And, and I think a change of scenery for Ryan Spooner will be best. Yeah, absolutely. And another one who's disappointing this season. Um, and if they if they do sign him, I think it's an, kind of like an arbitration thing, which arbitration is just absolutely stupid. We go over this on Red Sox beat when it happens. Um, I think they would pay him way too much through arbitration, something he does not deserve. And he is talented, He's very talented. There's no denying that. But, like, you know, the, the future's bright for us, and we can't hold on to talent that isn't performing here and that, that isn't developing here. If we have talent that's willing to to step up and just be part of this Bruins organization, and, you know, nothing against Spooner. It sucks that he's so disappointing, but he's better off elsewhere. Better off elsewhere is an understatement. I, I was, he was one of the players that this year that disappointed me the most was Spooner because – Obviously, I was looking for Spooner and Pashnik to make that jump forward, especially after, you know, they had they had their rookie seasons under their belt and they had another year. Obviously, sometimes players go through a sophomore slump. It's like, okay, year three, both these players should hopefully be, you know, well-advanced. Not well-advanced, but obviously better off showing, showing some, flashing some signs that they're building blocks going forward. Obviously, we got that from Pashnik and Ryan Spooner. It just did not happen, which, unfortunately, like, like not every – prospect can work out but Spooner showed some promise before and it's just unfortunate that he couldn't find it here in Boston and then obviously he called out Claude Julian and then you know he had that back and forth about how he said Julian didn't like him and then Bruce Cassidy's given an opportunity to do better and he's not doing it so I mean I just don't think Spooner is going to be back next year and I can't see it happening but well, sorry, Lauren. I want to bring up one last point about defensemen before we move on and talk about Ottawa and some of the Stanley Cup playoffs more in depth. But uh, Zdeno Chara, obviously, he's trying to take a page out of Tom Brady's book, I guess you can say, and play well past his 40s and 
and says this is the last year of his deal with the Bruins, obviously, in that he wants to be, you know, play longer than this year. If you're Don Sweeney, do you think that would you re-sign Jared to a contract extension or would you let him play out this year and kind of move on? I mean, uh, I know we just answered this in our in our Bruins piece for CLNS Media, and um, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but obviously I was in the camp of, you know, let Chara play out this year. He's done great things in Boston for you. You appreciate everything he's done, but he's going to be 41. I think it's time to move in a different direction with some of the younger defensemen they have. Do you think the Bruins should keep Chara going forward after next year, or do you think next year should be his last year in Boston? No, I think this year is – I don't think it should necessarily be his last year, but I think this he's going to be playing for a contract in Boston the entire 2017-2018 season. I think it's going to be huge for him. You know, he's like you said, he's going to be 41. He, we've seen him progressively slow down, and his play is different. Still an amazing defenseman, but he's just – obviously he's not who he once was because of his age, and it slows you down. And, you know, hockey takes – an enormous pull in your body. I mean, Mike, you play, so you know exactly how it is. And no, you're not as old as Chara, but you know, it's night after night, you know, these guys are taking hits, they're practice skating and the traveling they do. It's just, it's a huge pull in your body. And especially as you get older and, you know, I'm sure. And he's, and he's playing like 20 plus minutes a night. He's playing a lot of minutes and he's in fantastic shape. There's no denying that, but it's time, you know, he's, he's a team captain. He's a leader. There's no doubt about that, but He's he needs to really step up this season if he wants to continue to play in Boston. That's that's great. I'd love to have him, but he needs to he needs to prove it at this point because of his age. So you're obviously you're you're a Red Sox girl. So would you would you think that maybe the, it would be wise for the Bruins to kind of do like the David Ortiz approach with him? How when the Red Sox were like sending David Ortiz year to year, you think you'd go year to year with Shara? They should, and it should essentially be based on on his play. You know, because I mean. Comparing the two is like apples to oranges, two different players, two different sports. But I, the approach, absolutely, I would be all for that because I love Chara being here. He's, he's a huge presence on the ice. Obviously, you know, his, his size and the way he plays, it's, it's huge. But, you know, at the same time, we need to figure out moving forward. We want to win a cup. We want to get further into the playoffs. So is he going to be best for this team after next season? I hope so. But, you know, if, if it's going to keep going the way it is, I, I – I hate to see him go, but if he wants to continue playing after next season, he, he's going to have to think about it might not be in Boston, and that's something that he's going to have to accept. Right, and I think if they find that one stud defenseman, though, that can play top minutes that Chara's playing, obviously you got, like Eric Carlson was doing it in the Ottawa series, and uh, he's obviously Eric Carlson's younger and, and flashier, but I feel like if the Bruins can find you know a, a a player that can log the minutes that Chara logged and not be such a liability on the defensive end, that keeping Chara in a bottom pair role wouldn't be a bad thing. As we saw this year, you know, he wasn't playing the power play as much. He's mostly just playing penalty kill. And I think that's where Chara thrives. But I th- they, they need someone to log the minutes that Chara was logging, and I wouldn't be opposed to keeping him after next season. That's just my two cents on Chara. Jason, do you have anything on Chara? I kind of... Agree with both of your points on the year to year. Um, see, I I don't know because I think that you know at 40, 41, it's that age where you gotta kind of let the player go and move forward because you'd never know he he he's gonna regress at some point. You don't want it to happen mid season where it completely falls apart, kind of like the Peyton Manning mindset again. Two different sports, apples to oranges. So I don't know. So you don't you don't know you don't know if you would keep Chara after next year. I don't know. What are, you, are you are you kind of just in the wait and see mode after next year? Yes. Okay, fair point. enough. Fair enough. Um, but I do want to touch on the Stanley Cup playoffs. Even though the Bruins have been eliminated, I think the playoffs have been absolutely fantastic this this season. Uh, obviously, you have some surprises like Nashville and both Ottawa in the conference finals. Obviously, both series are tied up at one. Uh, Lauren, obviously on the west on the western side, I've been pulling for Nashville. Just for the sole fact that I'm rooting for P.K. Subban to go as far as possible and shove it up everyone's keister in Montreal for trading him. And I love the way P.K. Subban plays, even though he played for Montreal and he was a pain in the ass to deal with when he was on Montreal. I respected him because he was so good. And that's why I'm rooting for Nashville. And I love to see, you know, Montreal lose the trade. So I'm pulling for Nashville out west. Are you, are you with me in Nashville or are you a Ducks girl? No, I am. I am one hundred percent with you, and I I love the Ducks. They they they're kind of like my West Coast team, but 
you put Nashville in there, you put PK Subban in there. And like I said, I can root for him shamelessly now. I don't have to hide the fact that I'm a PK Subban fan, and I have been. I love the way he plays. I you know I didn't like the diving or whatever in Montreal, but he's such a good player. I love Pecorine too. I I just love the Nashville fans. I'm sure you know most of them are bandwagoners, but they're so passionate, and that's what like they're always out there. And they're just, they're really giving Nashville something to Their arena's pretty loud for bandwagon fans, though. They, they are very loud, but so was, you know, so is Toronto, so is Tampa Bay, you know, for baseball. As soon as their teams make the playoffs, they can be loud as hell. And it's, they're, but they're fun to watch. And, but 100% going for Nashville to, to win the entire cup, like you said. I want to see Montreal lose this trade so bad. I want to hear a Felger rant on this so bad. And I, <laughs> I, I want nothing more than Montreal to just eat this trade and hang their heads and just eat it. It would just make me the happiest person if they, I mean, they're already winning the trade, but it would just make me the happiest person if they won the Stanley Cup. They just look like such idiots for trading him. And if if he makes the Stanley Cup before, you know, Montreal does, because obviously Montreal hasn't made the Cup in quite some time. And if P.K. Subban, the first year after they trade him, makes it to the Stanley Cup Finals, it's going to be eating Montreal fans alive. And it's going to be glorious to just bask in all Montreal fans just freaking out and being up in arms. And uh, I was reading an article about this, too, and about how, you know, people were already saying, like you said earlier, that they already lost the trade. Is that uh, Shea Weber's contract is out of control. He's like a 10-year contract, like a couple years back with Nashville. And, like, they were saying that Nashville even just trading his contract was a, a blessing in disguise, too, especially with Shea Weber being a couple of years older than Subban. And I just think Subban fits what Matt Nashville is trying to do. It's a, like you said, it's a fun fun city, a fun environment, and P.K. Subban's thriving there, and I love every second of it. I'm rooting so hard for P.K. Subban, and, like, it's not even funny. I've been right, – right after, right after Nashville beat Chicago, I go, boom, give me Nashville. I want Nashville to go as far as possible because obviously – So I am I getting play. credit for saying that I picked Nashville before the Chicago game? Yes, you did. You did. You were the one person that said that. I, I told you that you were – you were ridiculous and that they stood no chance, but what do I know, obviously. But I feel like every year, it's like an NHL team that goes far that no one's expecting. And this year, it was Nashville. But I yeah, Lauren, let me explain this to you, because I'll explain specifically why I picked Nashville, Nashville before Chicago. I had a bunch of reasons backing it up. If Mike's going to let me go. No, I was, no, go ahead. You can go. All right, one moment. i got to get Lauren back on. I think her phone accidentally hung up. <laughs> oh. Uh-oh. You lose connection there, Lauren? Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> I figured that. That's right. Um, Techno- technology, you know? Right. But um, I had picked Nashville because I've looked at Nashville the last couple of years in the playoffs. They've had Pecorine. They've looked good. They've gained experience. And now they've started building this team. And adding Subban, believe me, I'm, I'm shamelessly. I'm rooting for Subban, too. Same way you guys are, but Subban is not the main reason I picked Nashville to go forward. It was because of the goaltender in Pecorini and how he's getting up there in age. But he's been one of the best goaltenders consistently in the league for the last three years. Um, they got Philippe Forsberg in a pretty decent offense. They're building that defense. And for me, I think Nashville has what it takes all together to make it to the Cup. Yeah, they obviously were... I didn't expect them to beat Chicago personally because I just thought Chicago was a wagon, and everyone thinks Chicago was a wagon, but I was so shocked they even swept him. But obviously it goes to show you that anything can happen when you get into the playoffs. But also, I, I'm not, I shouldn't say, like, I was surprised, but we probably shouldn't be because when, when Nashville made that trade in the offseason for Subban, everyone was saying that Nashville has a chance to do some damage. But I just, I just think the way they did it, that when they swept Chicago, kind of caught people by surprise. It's like, whoa, Nashville's a force to be reckoned with now. Well, there's a couple ways of looking at that. I looked at it. Nashville struggled throughout the season. Why? Rene was injured. Can't argue that statement. Rene comes back, the team goes on a run, you get it into the playoffs, and the rest is history. Yeah, I agree. But um, let's let's switch to the Eastern Conference. I think there's uh, some compelling stuff in the Eastern Conference. Um, obviously, Ottawa's making the Bruins look pretty damn good, to be honest. Uh, they've made it to the conference finals. They're knotted up 1-1 with Pittsburgh. And I, I think that the Bruins losing to Ottawa now isn't as bad if Ottawa lost to the Rangers kind of like handily. But no, Ottawa beat the Rangers in six games just like they beat the Bruins in six games. And uh, obviously, you know, the Rangers are going to have question marks going forward because Lundqvist, you know, going in their defense. But I think Ottawa's making the Bruins look good, and especially even competing with Pittsburgh 1-1. Both games were 
one games, and I think the Bruins lost the media because they lost to Ottawa. Ottawa's really not that good. They just play that stupid trap. But I think the Bruins. I think it's becoming clear now that Ottawa is better than people give him credit for. No, I think so too, and I absolutely hate the way Ottawa plays. I hate watching their style of play. Just it bugs me. I'll scream at the TV about it. But the Devils of the nineties. It's awful. It's just. It's awful. awful. But I think you know, like they are making the Bruins look good because, I mean, I didn't think the Bruins stood a chance against the Senators. I thought they would be swept, and they pleasantly surprised me. And you know, the Penguins are obviously a very good team. They're going for back-to-back cups, and there's no denying that they have, you know, goaltending. They have a core group of offense, defense. They're they're very good. They're a very well-built team, well-coached team, and. Ottawa is giving them a run for their money. I know it's only two games in, the series tied, but those games have been close. Those games have been tight. And they've been, I mean, last night's game was a little boring to watch, but it's it's interesting to see how this is all playing out because I predicted, you know, Nashville and Rangers going into the Stanley Cup. Obviously, that's not going to happen, but I, I think, you know, the, the Senators, yes, they are a good team. You know, Bobby Ryan, there's no denying that, but... I think the Penguins are going to squeak out of this. It's either going to be six or seven games. It's going to be a long series. It's going to be a hard-fought series. And it's going to be a series like the Bruins, where it's one-goal games, overtime games. It's going to be a very similar series to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's starting to look that way, especially after the first two games, both one-goal games, as as, I, as we talked about before. But the, the one thing I do want to get your opinion on quickly is uh, obviously one team that's not in the conference finals that everyone expected to be in the conference finals is the Washington Capitals. In what more can we say about the Washington Capitals just choking year after year after year? And I want to get your thoughts on what you think Washington should do with Ovechkin. Obviously, there's been big speculation about whether Ovechkin will be back next year, what to do with the Capitals going forward. I think it's time for them to blow it up, personally. I mean, you have this... I've heard speculation about Ovechkin to the Golden Knights, just for the record. Yeah, I mean, well, there's going to be speculation about Ovechkin going anywhere, but I think it's time for Washington to blow it up. Lauren, what do you think about the Capitals? No, I mean, it's it's disappointing because every year they're so damn good and they're so damn consistent. And then you get to the playoffs and it's like, they're like, oh, I don't know how to hockey anymore. And it's like, you have one of the best players on your team and Alex Ovechkin. And it's frustrating because I love Ovechkin. I love the way he plays. I love his intensity and his emotion into the game. And to not see him go further in the playoffs, it's, it's frustrating. It's kind of like watching Lundqvist not get a cup. It's kind of on the same scale as that. And I think the Capitals do need to shake it up because obviously something isn't working. And obviously it revolves around Ovechkin and shaking it up. Um, I don't think he wants to go anywhere personally. Um, I think he wants to stay in Washington. I think he likes Washington, but I think he deserves more because of the player he is. Right. Yeah. And I think the the, the Lundqvist one was, was a good comparison. But like you look at Lundqvist, right? And he's, he's been to a Stanley Cup finals. He's been to a conference finals. Washington can't get out of the second round. It's like it's, it's like you said they get they win the first round and they get the second round and it's like how do I play hockey again? I don't know how to play. Yep, it's and it's, it's frustrating. It's beyond frustrating. Like I said, because I love Ovechkin and I think he deserves, you know, to at least get to the conference finals, let alone hoist that Stanley Cup. The same way I think Lundqvist deserves to hoist that cup. And I know that, like you said, they've been to the Cup final and all that. And I don't know. Why they why the Capitals can't figure it out after that first round? I don't know what it is. I don't know what happens to them. You can use the excuse they're tired, they're gassed, but there's still four other teams out there competing. So what? Like there's just no excuse. No, there's no excuse at all. And especially like everyone's gonna be like, oh well, they have to play the Penguins because of the new playoff format. Well, yes, the past two years they've had to play the Penguins, but the previous years before that, they've been like. They've had to play other teams, too. Like They've lost to, like, Montreal when they were, like, the one seed and Montreal was an eight seed. So it's not like they're just losing to Pittsburgh. They're losing to other teams, too. Well, let me point out that, you know, Washington's not going to have much of a choice but to blow it up. They're, half of their team is uh, free agents at the moment. So Yeah, that's true. And I was all I was all for the Bruins going after Shattenkirk, but after watching Shattenkirk in the playoffs, I think I'm all set. I'm all yeah, set on I that one, too. Yeah, yeah I'm going to. That's a hard pass on for me, so nope. Especially because what's he what's he's gonna command on a, on for money wise? You don't want to, you know, lock him up for like six years, like six million or whatever. Especially with I know Lawrence how McAvoy played in the playoffs, and I know he's young. He's gonna have some hiccups, obviously going into next year in a sophomore slump. But the way McAvoy played, 
you know, even where Carlo played in his rookie season, and they're obviously going to have to keep one of, you know, Kevin Miller or Adam McQuaid, whichever one doesn't get picked in the expansion draft. So, I mean, I, I'm all set with Shattenkirk. I think the Bruins need a left defenseman more than they need a right defenseman, and I don't think Shattenkirk's the answer. I mean, it was always it was speculated because he went to BU. He, uh, the, he's a New, Engl- New England guy, but I'm all set. I'm all done with Shattenkirk. No, 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 no. If the Bruins sign Shattenkirk, I'll, I'll actually be pretty upset. Unless if it's a cap-friendly contract, and I won't say much. Yeah, but I don't think it's cap-friendly. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be cap-friendly with with what he's going to command. Honestly, I don't think it's going to be that. I don't even think it's worth what he's going to command. I don't. I think, and I hope the NHL is smart enough to see that. Well, no, obviously he's not going to be worth what he's going to command. But when you see some of these contracts when players hit the open market where they sign for, it's ridiculous. I mean, David Backus is overpaid now. I mean, Louis Erickson made like six million dollars. I mean, no matter what way you look at it, when someone hit, when a player hits free agency, they always get overpaid, and that's just how it works in that league. It's how it works in every sport, pretty much. So obviously, you know, because you you're gonna look at it, Jason Wright, and you're gonna have like a couple teams you want his services. So say for example, he, he wants to go to the Rangers or Toronto. I mean, they're gonna be in a bidding war for him, and obviously, one team's gonna offer him stupid money compared to the other team, so they can get him. And that's just how it works in that how it works in sports. And it's so someone's gonna pay him stupidly. I guarantee you, Jason. There's no way he's going to get a cap-friendly contract anywhere. I, no. I agree completely. That's why, uh, for me, uh, Shattenkirk's still a hard no. Yeah, definitely. I would A hard pass for for the Bruins. Thanks, but no thanks. And like I said, they, I think they're good on the right side. I think they need more of a left-shot defenseman because, obviously, with, with Char being 40, 41, Krug obviously is a left-shot defenseman as well. But besides that, their best next option last year was John Michael Lyles and Joe Morrow. And I know they have... You know, Zaboral and Lazone in the system, but I wouldn't bank on them for next year. I think the Bruins should try and look for a left shot defenseman more than a right shot defenseman. I know, and I can't wait to get into when it comes to free agency and seeing who's actually out there for left shot defensemen in that specific market. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it'll definitely be interesting to see. I don't think the defensive market's going to be, you know, great going into the offseason, but I always see this with the draft and the expansion draft. You know, there'll be trades going on, so you'll be, it'll be interesting to, to see, what, obviously, with the offseason coming up. I mean, the offseason is right around the corner, which is great because um, obviously we'll get more Bruins-related topics compared to, um, you know, just the Stanley Cup playoffs and stuff like that. But a Bruins-related topic that came out today that I thought was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Jason, I know you you were, you were busy, so you didn't have a chance to read it, but it came out today. Lauren and I both read it. And it was a Players' Tribune article that Mark Savard wrote. And if you haven't read it, check it out. It was fantastic. It was one of the best articles I've ever re- read in my entire life in I don't think people seem to realize what Mark Savard went through and why he can't play hockey anymore and how scary head injuries can be in contact sports. If you read that, you will see what that guy had to go through, not once, but twice. And I loved Mark Savard as a player. I thought he was, when he signed with the Bruins, it was one of the best days ever because it was like him and Chara were coming to, you know, rebuild the Bruins. The Bruins were going to move into a different direction and finally be relevant again. And, you know, he, he said it in the article, his game one goal in Philly, where he um, scored in overtime and came back after the first concussion from the cheap shot of Matt Cook. I mean, it was just a really emotional stuff. It was very touching. And it, it makes you appreciate what he had to go through to play and how serious the NHL needs to, you know, go and take head injuries going further. Because that was just a great piece. And I, I wish Savard could have, you know, Savard was sitting there saying he had to watch the Bruins host the Cup in 2011 because he couldn't travel there because he had to be locked in the dark room and watch the TV on mute. Just chilling stuff. It, it brought me to the verge of tears being able to read it, but very great. line. what were your thoughts on that? Oh, I loved it. I read it four times today at work, and it was just the raw emotion that came out of it. And obviously we can you know sympathize with him to a point because he was one of our players here in Boston, and we had the Hoist Vet Cup without him. And that's the point that really got me where – you know, he took his family to one of the games, but, you know, game seven in Toronto, uh, Vancouver, he had to watch his teammates do what he should have been doing. And he said it perfectly. You know, it was bittersweet and everything he was feeling, he said it was daunting, you know, with the anxiety and the headaches and just not really knowing what was going on. And I think he really, you know, shed some light on how serious head injuries can be and why. You know, the NHL, even the NFL, they need to step up their game and realize the headshots are, are so serious and they can take a serious toll on you. And I love, love, love that 
Savard will take credit. He'll be like, was I 100% to go back to skating? No. But, you know, he's a hockey player. All he's known is hockey. He said he stopped going to school full time when he was 15 so he could play hockey. It's all he's ever known. And it's just, it's crazy to me that, you know, headshots can just damage you so much. And I love, I wish he would just come out and say that Matt Cook is something I shouldn't say on this podcast. (laughs) Seriously, though, I hate that guy. I hate that guy. I wish Savar would come out and say it because... He did say it perfectly, though, for a very, uh, very well-written piece that he just said, you know, there's nothing I can say about it. There's, I have nothing to say about it, essentially. You can, you can make your own judgments, pretty much. Yep, and it's, it blows my mind. I had no idea that he had no recollection of the actual event, that he just woke up and he was on the ice, and he just said, like, you know, he hurt. He, his head hurt, his vision was cloudy, and I had no idea. I thought he would at least remember it you know, maybe the impact or kind of what led up to it. And, but yeah, I think this is the scariest thing that ha- what he said was when the trainer came out and said that he was knocked out for 30 seconds. And he like, it was because of how bad the bad cheap shot Matt cook got, but he was literally knocked out for 30 seconds before he woke back up and he didn't even know where he was. Yep. Scary, and, scary stuff. Another thing that's so scary about head injuries. Like you just don't know how they can affect you. And Going back to you know the goal that he scored in Philly, and I love that he said he heard the crowd go wild before he even knew where the puck was, and he said it was so much more than scoring a goal. It was like I think he said like I'm back, and it was just like I think when I read that line, I got chills, and I'm like oh, like it just goes to show that yes, it's just a game at the end of the day that us as fans enjoy. We take you know pride in loving our teams, but this is their job. This is how they support their families, and yes, they're they're millionaires for playing a game, but. For some, like Mark Savard, this is all they've known. So to see that kind of emotion and to see it, you know, back then we were just excited that he was so emotional about scoring a huge goal at the playoffs. But to him, it was so much more than that. And to know that now, it's just kind of like, wow, like hockey and sports in general is so much more than just like sport. It's their lives. Right. And I think people seem to forget, too, how good Mark Savard was for the Bruins and how like how good he was in the power play and how how much he changed, like, you know, the offensive output for the Bruins. Like, because people seem to forget they they signed Savard and Chara in the same offseason. And what Savard meant to this team. And, I, I mean, it was just tough to see him get hurt like that. And, like you said, tough to see him hoist his – like, see his teammates hoist the Stanley Cup. I mean, some of the chilling stuff you have to see is that, you know, during the daytime, like when the sun's out, he would lock himself in his room – with all the blinds down to being pitch black and or the anxiety run. or the anxieties he felt. I'm reading the article while you guys are talking about this just for the record. Yeah, and he talking about like how he had symptoms of being suicidal and he how he was on suicide watch. Just very very chilling stuff. And um, if you have an opportunity to read it, I would definitely check it out. It was it was great. Like as Lauren said, she read it four times. I've read it twice. I mean, just one of the best articles you can do. I think the Players Tribune does a great job of, of posting articles from a personal player side because I think people needed to see just how bad Mark Savard had it and that way people can kind of you know realize how dirty of a hit it was by Matt Cook that took out Mark Savard for pretty much his entire career yep no doubt and like you said those head injuries are just so so serious that the leagues all leagues all professional sports need to start taking so seriously and I hope that they that Mark Savard even said this I can shed some light on someone who's struggling or it just goes to show, like, this ended his career at 31 or 32 years old. And he could have, I mean, he'd probably still be playing right now if it wasn't for all this. And it's, Yeah, he'd, he'd probably be on the last leg of his career, but he'd probably still be playing somewhere. Yep, and he would have been able to hoist that cup. And that's what, like, gets to me. Like, But at the end of the day, his name's on that cup. And that's something to be incredibly proud of. You know, he helped this team. He was part of that team's success. He's got so many good memories here that we were – that we're going to remember forever. And of course, unfortunately we're going to remember him getting taken out by Matt cook. Like when you hear Mark Savard, we automatically think Matt cook, but, and it sucks that it's happened. That that's how it is, but he did so much good for this team that anything like that is going to overshadow any yeah, kind of and memories. We have. Absolutely. And he even said it too. Like you Google, you Google Mark Savard. The first thing that pops up is Matt cook hit. And that's what Savard doesn't want to be remembered for. So if you have an opportunity to read it, read it, check it out and just, Try and remember Mark Savard for some of the good things he did, not just for, you know, being yeah. a concussion. If I can speak on this a little bit more, Mike. I'm reading yeah. midway through, and he's like, you know, I got lost, so I pulled up next to a police car and asked for directions. And he's asking to go into the Rangers game. 
I said, no, sir, I play for them. When did you play for the Rangers? That was when he first got called up. So like when yeah, he was, when he was 20. Yeah, like, so when he was, like, when he was a rookie, the Rangers called him up to play in a game, and this is before, like he said, it was before, like, cell phones came out and GPSs, where he didn't know where Madison Square Garden was. Okay, I see. He was, he was a young, he was a young player and never been to New York City, so he had no idea where he was going. But, I mean, even just stuff like that, you see it, it's like, you know, he's, he's a regular human being, and I think sometimes people, like you said, Lawrence, but like, we're fans, we watch him, and it's like, no, he actually has a family and kids, and his livelihood got taken away. It's it was just a great piece, and I, I just thought we had we had to touch on it because of how great of a piece it was. It was just absolutely fantastic. Oh, absolutely! I'll probably read again after we after we <laughs> <stop recording. laughs> absolutely, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, it was great that you would want to read it again, but um, but Lauren, I we really appreciate you joining us and uh, taking the time out of obviously your busy busy life to join us in. Um, Take the time, to, yeah. Take the time to join us in the chat Bruins with us because uh, obviously you you are very passionate about the Bruins, so and you write for the Bruins, so it's good to get your perspective on it as well. Yeah, I'm happy to be on. Thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, Lauren, I do want to get you on again at some point when hockey season really starts and gets going. It was great to have you on. I'm I'm glad that I had thought about it when we weren't getting Joe on to have you jump on. It was a good idea, on my part, to get you jump on. Yeah, pat yourself on the back for that one. That was, that was yeah. a good <laughs> but, Absolutely. And obviously, if, you, if you're a baseball fan, Lauren does great stuff for uh, CLNS Media for both the Bruins and the Red Sox. So don't be afraid to check her out. She also is one of the co-hosts of the Red Sox podcast. So you can check her out there as well. But Lauren, thank you again for appreciating it. And that will wrap up our episode of Bruins Beat for CLNS Media. Uh, you can follow myself on Twitter at MikeSetta22. You can follow Jason at JasonBuckley91, you can follow our personal account at Bruins underscore Beat. And Lauren, I forget your Twitter handle off the top of my head. I should have written it down. But you can give it out anyways, even though you have, you have a ton it's of followers. It's something not Lauren or something of that yeah. sort. It's, a, it's three laws, Lauren with four R's. So it's a mouthful, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good follow. I'll, I'll yeah, it's, it's a mouthful, but you have, you, have a, you have a decent amount of followers. So obviously you're doing something, right? <laughs> I try. I try. <laughs> and well, also for again. our listeners, I will not be on next week. I will be radio silence from everything. I'm going to Wyoming for the week. Yep, no problem. So we'll, it'll be me and Joe next week. So obviously next week it will be without Jason. But Lauren, thanks again for joining us, and we'll be back next week. Go Bruins! Go Bruins! <laughs>